I was thinking of the scripture over there because I can't help it from being in the beginning of all this debt that we had talked about. And now that the age that I am and I was happening to look at Will, so it's big and strong. I remember the first time I saw him, I forget who was holding him. He was about 15 or 16 months old and had the old Arnold Palmer or Sam Snead hat, if you can remember, had that on while I looked across my yard and there was Will. Now Will can hold me. <laughs> he just can. So lots of times I'll say, Will, come on over. He picks up everything that I need. Um, it's amazing what time can do to you. Um, scripture says, I have been young and now am old, yet have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Um, my advice to you, amen, goes kind of into this message. Um, through all the years and all the valleys and the tsunamis and the unexpected storms in life, uh, as being a pastor and the talking about the debt and people and lives, and I would tell Ruth, everything I do, everything I say, every phone call I take, the weight of eternity weighs on it and you know, most of your life you live, there's no way I can do this. And the only credit, really, that we can give is the Word, which is the Word of God, right? Through all the things that have come, the only thing I knew to do was to turn to the to the, and And if I missed the Word, then we hit the iceberg. But we would repair ourselves and we could go, and it's the Word. So no matter what you're going through, how bleak, how horrible, how terrible, or many times I went to bed thinking, oh my gosh, my gosh, we're not going to make it many times. And yet here we are. So you put your trust and faith in the Word, in the Word of Almighty God, which I entitled uh, this morning's message 2020. Wonder why. You might be thinking of the new year. Oh, I'm not. Uh, I'm thinking of 2020 vision. 2020. Being old is a pain, isn't it? Anybody that you want to admit that you're old, it's, it's a pain. In fact, it hurts everywhere. <laughs> Not just, it's a pain. And one of the worst things I've hated, and there's a number, my nice hair's gone, but one of the worst is, has been my eyesight, my glasses, 2020. I had excellent, I don't know if I remember this right or not, but they told me, I remember the doctor saying, you got 2010. I don't, I forget what that means, but it was like better than 2020. And I loved having great eyesight. And I would stand over there and see all oh, you walk in, it's crystal clear, and then you started getting fuzzy, and then it was like I can only recognize you because I know how Erin Harper walks, I can tell how she walks, or Beth have a distinguished walk, and I could tell who it is. And I'm kidding myself, thinking I could still see. But I can't. I needed correction. Now I can hardly make out my wife. There she is right there. Because you need corrected vision. 2020. That's what these glasses do. Okay? Now you have to look. If you don't, if, uh, I can be a fool and not wear them. And how would you like for me to be on the highway? If, seriously, and not wear these? Wouldn't that be dangerous? I know there's people there. I really, I cannot make out your facial features at all. It's all fuzzy and blurry. What used to be crystal clear is now fuzzy. 
and blurry at all. So I'd be an absolute fool if I didn't wear, in fact, I believe it's a law, right? If I get pulled over and my license is marked glasses and I don't have them on, you get a ticket because it's dangerous. I could kill somebody because I can't see clearly. And as you get older, it is difficult at night even. All that's true. I used to go, come on, it's just an excuse not to come to church. But it can be difficult. It really can. So, so these glasses help me to continue to make right decisions and to see clearly and do right things. So I titled this morning's message 2020. But if I don't wear them, I don't have 2020. So the idea is if you don't do what the Word of God says, you're not going to see clearly to make right decisions. And I'm going to give you just simple truths this morning. You don't need nothing deep. If you could just do the simple, you'll be deep. So it says this in John 9, 25, simply says, And he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that wherein I was blind, now I see. Do you remember seeing after you became born again? Truly seeing? Was there an unbelievable change? Man, there wasn't me. I was heartless, ruthless, terrible person. And I told you before through the years of preaching, and when I got right with God, I'm telling you, the sky looked bluer, the clouds looked whiter, the grass looked greener, greener the flowers looked more beautiful. Not even talking about all the supernatural, spiritual stuff I started to see. That's what drawing close to Jesus is. He gives you 20-20. You can see clearly. Now, how many of you, since you've been saved, kind of wandered off unintentionally, percolated, not quite as hot as you used to, running on three cylinders instead of eight? You don't see. One of the first things is you don't see Christ as sharp as you used to. And you don't make your decisions. They're not as black and white. No, God would not like that. Back here, you're like, well, I'm not sure. I don't know. So your vision comes from obeying God. And that word see, listen, that word now I see means to discern or perceive. Listen, or recognize. Man, that's not from God. This way you're going, I, I don't know, I can't tell. And so God gives us crisp, sharp. And the only way you're going to have 2020 vision in 2020 is to have the hand of God on you and to obey the Word of God. Or you're going to come to me and say, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know what I should do. I don't know if this guy, if he loves me, I don't know. All those goofy questions. Jeremiah 10:23 says this, Oh Lord, now listen, this is talking about you and me care how spiritually smart you think you are. I know that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in you. It's not in you. It's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. You don't have it. You don't, it's not in you. You can go to the store and buy milk. And if they don't have milk, you're not coming out with milk. They don't have it. And God says, you don't have it in you to be what you're called to be. It's not in man. Man doesn't know what to do. Our first child, Jennifer, I was unsaved. 
And when she was born and, and the reality hit that I'm holding this little uh, hours old daughter, I'm going, now what? I don't know what to do with a girl or a baby. I was like 21 or 2. Fortunate for my daughter, we got right with God by the time she was two years old. Then we knew we had to pour the Word of God in and live according to the Word. But Jeremiah simply tells us, there's no way. And when you take these off, you're tired of church or people or pastor or something, and you start trying to do your own thing, are you kidding me? It's not even in you, and you can't see, and you are out on that road by yourself with a car full of kitties and a wife or whatever. Dangerous. So here's what we do when we take our glasses off. Proverbs 14, 12 says, Oh, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. There is. You take them glasses off. And I could be saying to Tim, Tim, I know this is absolutely what I think I should do. And Tim's going, oh, I don't know. And I can tell, I'm telling, I can see it's plain as day. Can't you see? Because it seemeth right unto me. But I've wandered from God, don't have my 2020 on. And so look what it is. There's a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Without God's touch, we choose death. But it seems right. How scary is that? How could you possibly take your 2020 off? How could you possibly say, I'll take this church over? Or move over, Lord. They are the dumbest bumper sticker in the world. God is my co-pilot. He who makes no mistakes, never sin, knows everything, is only your assistant. Because you know. Isn't that dumb? It is. If you had that bumper sticker, take it off. <laughs> look, because the man, the man that got touched says, look, I don't know anything about this Jesus. All I know is I couldn't see a lick, and now I can see. I can discern. I can say, oh, my goodness, all my life I've been believing wrong, living wrong, talking wrong. I perceive that he is the answer. I can recognize who I'm supposed to be now in Christ because I can see. 2020 in 2020 depends on you. God's already given you the lenses and the glasses. How about this, Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. It's true. But those things which are revealed, it means to uncover. Those things which are to reveal belong unto us and our children forever. Listen what it says. That we may do all the words of this law. How serious do you take this? How serious do you take wearing your glasses, you know, or whatever, you're, whatever you need glasses for? I remember way back, way back when we were newly saved and biting on everything that we thought was God, and you don't have faith because you're wearing them glasses. If you take faith off, it means you're trusting God that you're going to see. Until my mechanic friend was doing that and almost got fired because he couldn't see. He's trying, well, I'm trusting God. Put the glasses on, you dope, and trust God. 
Then when the screwdriver and everything gets blurry, take them off and say, glory to God, he healed me. You see how dumb we are in, in things that we do? Absolutely. So the secret things, but God says, I'm going to uncover things. I'm going to reveal them to you, whether it's a church revelation to you or a personal revelation to just you inside. And not only God just doesn't reveal them to show you how smart he is, he expects you to do them. Do it. Silly would be if I go to Dr. Colopy and say, you know what? I don't know what kind of doctor you are. I have a doctor, I can't see nothing. I can't see that green there you put in front of me. I don't know if that's F, B, V, C, D. I don't know what you're talking about. And if he looks at me and says, well, put your glasses on. I mean, it's not, doesn't Bruce always say it doesn't take a rocket scientist? Why do we think it does? Just put your glasses on. Get, get your face back in the Word of God. But you can memorize it, quote it, Greek, hoop, Hebrew, upside down, backwards. But if you don't do it, it's no good for you. It's nothing at all. So God says, oh, there's some things. God declares uh, everything to man that, that there are secrets that God has. And he can do that because he's God. He set this up. You didn't. You didn't speak the world into existence. He did. And he might tell you later on, maybe in heaven. But if he never chooses, he does. So what? So God says this. Listen, you know the scripture. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. Isn't that true? My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't know really if I ever really think like God thinks. Unless I'm obeying the word of God. It is so contrary to how I think. Love your enemy? Are you kidding? If you want, give. What? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. I know you've thought about it, but think, listen, for as heaven are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So if you ever just, you know, put your little teeny weeny self out there and you look at the heavens in that starlit night sometime and it goes way, way, way beyond that. That's how opposite you and God think. If you're on your own and you don't have this in your corner. Now listen, God says, I do have secrets. New Living Translation, same verse as this. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. No one. We are not accountable for them. What you don't know, how can you do it, right? You don't whoop your child because he didn't obey by taking the garbage out and cutting the grass if you never told him he had to. And that's how God is. He says, if you don't know them. But, it says, we, we and our children are accountable for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. These instructions. If you obey them, you'll have 2020 in 2020. You will. You, I'm not saying you're not going to have problems. Some days you'll have to go hard right to try to miss hard right. And you'll be all right. It'll be scary. You might cry and scream, I'm going under. I've done that. What's that song we like singing? Uh, even though we don't see it or even though we don't hear it, he's working. That, that, 
That's what God does if you just hang on to his word. But God does reveal things to us. He reveals them to us through his word. God's revelation is meant for us. There's this message is for us. God didn't just speak to just put up words in the word of God. He tells you what to do and what not to do. Doesn't matter if you're 13 or 93. It all works. It works for whatever age, whatever sex, whatever creed. It works. How can God get us debt free? I, I, I wish I could take you all back. I mean, we had to put up our house, our entire house, with maybe 10 or 12 others to just start. You don't think I was shaking and I was begging God if this was wrong? How could he go, we go from that to a borrowed speakers, and borrowed microphone, borrowed drums, to all this and it's paid off in 19 years? It's just obeying the God. It's not like, oh, because I'm this wizard pastor. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. It's insane. I mean, I still know how much those pews, because they were $38,000, the pews. And the foyer that you walk in and don't even notice, I think that was ten grand. That's because Phil and a bunch of guys worked weeks putting it together and, and making it a diagonal. Whose thought was that? Is that mine or yours? <laughs> mine? <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, I think, what is there? Is there a dozen air conditioned units and a dozen furnaces just for this? And I'm like, God, how did you, how'd you do this? And I, I know that, um, that maybe you really can't get the impact because some of you just maybe started coming here and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, God is just so faithful. The song that they were singing were perfect today as far as just thinking, God, what you've done. And all you got to do is follow this. Follow this. And I didn't follow this absolutely correctly. We, we hit like bumper cars. Like, oh, man, we better not do that again. I mean, it's just, but God was faithful. Matthew 4 says this, but he answered and said, listen, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. That's humanity. That's all of you. I don't care if you're a kid, a teenager. You think you know everything? God is saying to you, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And you say, well, I'm not going to do that because I can see clearly. All right. Well, we'll just see how you do. So in this portion of Scripture, Satan is tempting Christ. Have you ever been tempted by Satan? Have you ever been tempted by a angelical spirit demon what are you going to do how, how are you going to what are you going to do you're going to take them on how are you going to how are you going to defeat the enemy so satan here is tempting christ and God, christ shows us how to do this i always said through my preaching if if jesus had a uh, spiritual button or a jesus button he's all man oh here comes the devil he throws it up to jesus that's not fair. I don't have a button. I can't do that. And when the devil comes to me, and Christ says, no problem. I'm going to show you how to do it. So he was all man being tempted by the devil, and he rebuked him simply by how? It 
is written. It is written. And if you don't have these on, you can't see what's written. And the further you get from God, the less sight you have. Jesus used scripture to battle Satan's temptations. Now, if you've never been tempted by the enemy, you need to check out your salvation. You understand that, seriously. There's only two lists. There's Satan's list and there's God's list. When the roll is called up yonder, all right, where's your name? As soon as you cross over into God, the enemy's like, get him, bring him back. He can't stand it that you left. So if you're not being tempted, you better not be playing church. So Jesus fought this battle as a complete, entire man, but he drew on no special resources because I don't have them. I don't have them at all. Sometimes the Word of God looks so blank to me, and I say, Lord, I don't know. Now, here's another little simple truth that you can improve your vision by. And it might have a little different twist than you think. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. And I know we as pastors harp on church attendance. And that scripture's perfect for that. And I would now, yes, you got to come. But saying that for 30 years. Even when I gave this scripture to Ruth, she almost rolled her eyes. So you going to try that again? I said, well, wait, I got a little different, different twist on it this time. Because it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Your job, your job, whoever you are, young or old, is to be exhorting one another when you come together. Oh, how you doing, Susan? Oh, man, I don't know. I've had a rough day. been sick. Let's pray right now. Exhort one another. I've been through that too. Oh my gosh, I thought it was absolutely hopeless and God came through for me and what he's done for me, he'll do for exhorting. Speak. Exhort. And what does God say? All the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The end of it all. What happens? We have less and less and less exhorters. So what do we have? More and more discouragers. It's not just my job. Forsaking fellowship is a sure way to give place to discouragement. The enemy loves it when you're alone. That he starts. And some of us tend to like being alone. I don't know if you did the temperament, the blue-green shirt people. We love being alone. How many blue-greens are out there? Yes. Put up, I put up all four limbs if I could. That's a danger. It's a danger when you become alone. Yeah, and, you know, and I just was going through the channels, and I know I've done this before, and I just kind of like them, those animal shows, and they're showing all these bunch of lions and 
trying to get this one some kind of deer, but the deer was smart, went out in the middle of the water and, and got away. And then 10 minutes later, all the lions are looking this way, and there's one old buffalo. And I went, oh, geez, he's done. And I don't even know if I watched it. I think I changed it. There's not, what's he going to do? He's 2,000, 3,000 pounds of muscle. Well, what's he going to do with a herd of, or whatever they are called, lions? He's going to become lunch. That's what he's going to do. So you cannot forsake the assembling. Many just go to church when they think they need it or they feel like it. But the motivation for fellowship, you should be coming and saying, Lord, point out somebody that you want me to hug, smile, shake, say something to. Do you ever even think of that when you walk through those doors? Who is it today, Lord? Have you ever opened up your house and before you have sat down with your wife and say, let's think, who should we invite? Without the same clique or group. So God says, so much more as you see the day approaching. Because as the day approaching, more and more demonic spirits are being let loose. And the world's getting crazier and crazier. Lonelier and lonelier. And the whole world is into self-promotion. That's why all the selfies, I always tell you about selfies, selfies. You can't, I was, you watched a football game last night? Try to, they get sick of it. No, they, they can make one tackle, jump up, run 40 yards, go like this so everybody can see them. One tackle. You're supposed to be making tackles. Isn't it true? Watch them. They all want something. They all got some type of... Just make the play. Right, Dre? Just make the play. But no, it doesn't draw attention. Draw attention to themselves. So we're in a very inward, selfie, horrible rut as a nation. And who should be the light who, who is not in the self? I don't know. It should be the church, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, every church probably has one of these. Oh, you're from New Hope. Stupid. Stupid. You're supposed to be practicing how to make a tackle. Do you know how long all that? They all got something different. How long does it take to learn that? Make a tackle. I know it's funny, but isn't it true? We're all, it's all to be seen. All to be seen and noticed. And God says, well, we should be of no reputation. It's total. Everything we do is opposite of God. Everything. Because we've laid down our glasses. We've laid down that which gives us 20-20. We've laid down that which draws us close to the sun who gives us sharp, unbelievable vision. Better now or now? Now or now? Oh, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I, I understand. So much more. And if you do so, if you do so, whoever you are out there, whoever's going to really take this to heart, you will become an encourager instead of a discourager. Oh, yeah. 
I was kind of, well, I want to say I was in a funk, because it's not true, but makes my point. When Dick Mahako died, John Hajar, Rowena, Audrey, man, they were just great encouragers to Ruth and I. Encouragers. Bob Monette from years ago, I don't know who remembers him. He was a professor at Ohio University. He talked to me how smart I am. I'm going, what? <laughs> Encouragers. And I'm like, man, Lord, these guys. I could come up here and walk to the pulpit, say, please stand. Amen. See you next Sunday. I'd walk off to Dick Mahako and go, that was the best message I've ever heard in my life. It's true. And you don't know how many times that kept me going. Because I'd walk off there and think, oh, dear God. You just feel, you can't express, I can't express what I'm trying to tell you. You just feel like a complete failure. And God brings those people around. It's the encouragers. Oh, my goodness. So you can be. I don't care how old you are. What's going on. You can become an encourager instead of a discourager in 2020. Remember the verse, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of the law. You don't do them, you don't see clearly, you're gonna wreck, you're gonna hit things. And you can bump things and bend your chrome and go, oh man, you know, it just bugs you because it's on your nice car now. Or you can clobber something or you could hurt somebody, kill something, somebody. Who remembers this message? I pulled this out. It's at least a dozen years old because parts of it can fit. Who remembers the message, stinking thinking? You remember that one? Where does stinking thinking come from? The Word of God says, Jeremiah 4.14 says this, O Jerusalem, Wash thine heart from wickedness, that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain, empty, wicked thoughts lodge within thee? That's where it comes from. When you let things lodge, they get stuck in your heart. Oh, that guy. Oh, there they are. Oh, I ran. I'm not even going into Walmart. Because they get in there. That word lodge means to harbor, embrace, and hold. You're doing it. God says, how long are you going to do this? And you're going, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. God says, you're doing it. You're holding it up. How long are you going to do that? New Living simply says, O Jerusalem, cleanse your hearts that you may be saved. How long will you harbor your evil thoughts? Stinking thinking comes from that stuff. I've told you before in my preaching, I remember being at Cracker Barrel, and I'm moaning about all you people. Moaning, 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 moaning. Ruth, I'm about ready to have my egg dipping the bread. She goes, do you hear what's coming out of your mouth? I went, yeah. I do. Stinking thinking. It never profits. Never. Never. And the more I do that, the less I want to be around you. I go back into my old cave again. All from stinking thinking. And it might even come from something I never did, but I start harboring it. And I start going, yeah, they're all like, ain't no one care about us. They'd spit on my wife and not even turn around. That's how bad you get. 
Romans 8, 6 says, for to be carnally minded is death. You understand? Death. Is anyone here going to escape death? So if you're not going to escape death, you must pay attention to this. You can't skirt the issue. You can't say, you know, I'm pretty, pretty good. O Jerusalem, oh, I read that, sorry, Romans, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Minded is that word, your thoughts and your purposes, what you are inclined to think. What's first things that cross your mind? Oh, that stupid fool. Or do you say, man, I need to pray for that guy. What's, what do you think? What's the first things? Carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. New Living Translation, same scripture. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. Amen. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. In fact, what's the Bible tell you? The Bible says what? Think on these things. It doesn't tell you anything else. Think on these things, things that are honest, just, pure, lovely. How about the last one? How powerful is the last one? Good report. Open up a news channel and just give good reports. So probably no one would watch. But how much better would it be for the nation? Haven't some of you, I know I haven't preached about it. It's like God's like, all right, all right, all right, turn Fox off. Because all you do is go, they all lie. They're all no good. Oh, there's no hope at all. Them stoops. I don't care who it is. All they do is get on there and argue. God does what? Turn that off. Turn that report off. Get it out of you. So God tells us what to think of. Honest, just, pure, lovely things of good report. Give good reports. Quit pouring bad stuff in people. That's a discourager. Who likes to hang around discouragers? Proverbs tells us, 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence. Do you? Do we? Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Everything comes from it. Whether you realize it or not, you have a serious heart condition. Oh, and it's serious. You do. So God tells us to keep that heart with all diligence. God says, you do it. You keep it. I can maybe present something, but God says, you do it. I can't make you do this. God says, keep your heart with all. You do it. Not the church. Not the pastor. Certainly not your government. You do it. You do it. Keep your heart with all diligence. That's what the Word of God tells you. And here's why. Listen, it's a sneak. The enemy's no good. You never know when someone's going to say something about you or do something to you. It's the way it is, right? Iron sharpens iron with what flying upwards? Sparks, contentions, heated something. So God says you keep your heart. Because you're going to have issues in life. 
Pastoring this church for all them years has not just been wonderful and sweet. We've had some bad issues, some big storms. So it's a full-time job keeping your heart from stinking thinking. And if you don't do it, I can barely keep mine. You've got to do yours. And here's why. Here's why the attack is so fierce. Because the Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So the enemy comes around, fills you with things, you harbor stinking thinking, and you get blurry and can't see God. And most of the time we're blind to God. And you miss all the people God wants you to witness to. He brings in your path. He brings across your path. You say nothing to because you're stinking thinking. Get out of the way. I'm going home. That's what happens to us. Oh, and I can be good at it. Blessed are the pure, uncontaminated, unpolluted. And the enemy's going, oh, no, 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 no. i got to send dark. Anything to try to get your eyes off of God onto yourself. You become polluted, stinking thinking. If you don't see God, you're heck with it all. Got time for one more, maybe. Another little simple truth. It's not time to circle up the wagons and just hang on as a church. Are you kidding me? We're all that the fallen world has. I don't care what they can come out with. Uh, four gig, five, what's the new one coming? Five something, 5G. Whatever it is, and Jonathan says, boy, that's really going to be something. Because he's into that kind of stuff. So we need to crank up our prayers for souls. Who's going to do that in this world? Most of the churches don't even do it. Most of the churches forgot about it, or they're just country clubs. Or I'm not saying all of them, and I'm certainly not saying we're the only one. I would never say that. Jesus said there's a final harvest coming. I can't believe it's 2020. I can remember sitting in my office in December 1999, people freaking out of, what's it, 1K something, what was going to happen? Yeah, Y2K. Oh, the world's going to stop, the water's going to stop, the sun's going to go down, not come up. Like, what are you talking about? And here we are now going into 2020. I mean, 2020, it sounds like a sci-fi date. And you and I are living it. The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few, God says, especially in a self-oriented country, population. Me, myself, and I. Way most wicked trinity. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 says this, Therefore, since we, not Pastor Jason, I mean, since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart in this. Do your job, love your wife, take care of them, fix things that are broke, but keep your eyes on God and keep Him first. We have a ministry. 
Paul preached his gospel boldly because when Paul considered the greatness of his calling, it gave him the heart to face all the difficulties. He was just a dude. How could you do that? I'd have quit. Night and day in a deep? Are you kidding? I can't stand the deep standing on the beach at night. In a, in a nice atmosphere, we often lose heart because we don't consider how great a calling God has given us in Christ. You don't. I'm just a housewife. I'm just doing dishes. I'm just trying to raise these kids, bless God. And you, you lose the great calling. One of the most misunderstood scriptures, I think, at least in my lifetime, certainly in America, I believe, one of, not the, very simple, made a little cute song of it, we never get it, Matthew says, you are the light of the world. That hardly has any weight on us, any importance, any urgency. That word light means heavenly light. You are the heavenly, godly light of the world. You are. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Without you, the world goes dark. And there's not too many of you left. And the world is getting dark, isn't it? Whoever thought we would see what's going on in our politics and government now, out and out lies. And no one doing nothing. I swear to God. And lie. How many have been waiting for all kind of jails to be filled up with politicians and not one's thrown in jail? I ain't going. It's getting dark, and you're the light. You are. Without you, Zanesville's dark. So we need to regain the place of influence, of being God's voice, God's mouthpiece again. Speak for God. You do not need this. I guess I can be called. I'm preaching to the choir. Light preaching to light. I hope what happens is light gets brighter then. But this is not where it's really at. The church historically has a, a, another mandate in the U.S., and that's to be the salt of the earth. That's a mandate from God. Salt is a purifier, preserves from rot. Putrid society, putrid community, putrid thinking, putrid school boards, putrid whatever it is. Think of them. Without you, it's putrid. No salt. To neutralize the toxics way of thinking, people as they get further and further and further and further from God. They're not going to think good things, godly things. This is why we're here. It is. Okay, so I can't help but notice Jordan. The Bible says one will chase a thousand. Newly married, what's his mandate now? 
One will chase a thousand, two will chase ten thousand. Jordan, ten thousand. God gave you a great mate. This is why we're here. This is why you're saved at this time. And I have to admit, man, I have been suffering from some aftershock when I reeling a bit from America's choices and how I see people acting. Never thought in my life. But our mandate has not changed. It has not changed, Kyle. It has not changed. God is not weaker. So you... Absolutely you. You are the light of the world and the salt. It's going to go dark and rot without you. Let's stand. And I would have to say, if, if anything, this has to be more and more obvious to you than it was in the past. How rotten and decaying News came on last night after the ball game. All kind of police and I'm like, oh, now, now what happened? And somewhere in New York, a guy come off the street with a machete, walked into a party of uh, Jewish people celebrating uh, Hanukkah and whacked five of them. Right, right, right there. And what? No, 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 no. This wasn't in Africa in the jungles and the back. Uh, this is New York, 30 miles north of New York City. Dark without you. No salt, no one to purify, no one to sprinkle on that guy's mind before he took the machete. No one to sprinkle about God's love and God's mercy, God's second and third chance. No one to shine on him how to live without. So that's what he does. That's how he acts. So we're simply going to all open up the altar the last Sunday of 2019. And I hope and pray that your desire is to say, God, God, please give me 2020 in 2020. Please, Lord. And he'll do it for you. Just like he took us as a church through all the debt, through all the icebergs, all the ups and downs, all me shaking my head saying, no, no, no. He did it. He paid us off all free. But now our vision needs to be more sharp and clear. All our attention, offerings, finances can be focused on souls. Souls. Please ask God for a 2020 vision. Our altars are open. Michael, if you have some music.